Our scripture today comes to us from Exodus chapter 20, verse 7. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Andrew, and thank you, choir, for a most appropriate anthem for this day when we're talking about the name. So, let's begin with a question. What does God's name have to do with anything? Most folks today who have given any thought to the subject would probably agree that names don't serve quite the same purpose, don't have quite the same meaning or focus or power today that they maybe once did. Today a name is primarily a convenient label. It's used to label a person or a thing. Sometimes names are family names and and that's important that they're passed down. But a name doesn't have to mean anything in particular. In fact, most of us don't research and look up what our names might mean. Just a recognizable symbol a recognizable sign so that we know what to call each other and we know how to identify things. In the mid-1980s, there was a San Francisco-based company called NameLab. Its business was to dream up appropriate names and labels for, for new things or different things. And it was the company that gave Honda's upscale new car the name Acura in the mid-80s. It's not a dictionary word. It was used to appeal to the buyer's instinct for something that was designed with great engineering in mind, precise engineering. Nowadays, so much depends on how a name strikes us and what kind of emotions it triggers. And I wonder sometimes who the folk are who come up with the names for all the new medications that are advertised on on television and elsewhere. Things were not always like they were now, of course. Nothing is. Everything changes. The prophet Isaiah, for example, had a son whose name was, and forgive my pronunciation, Maher Shalalau Hashbos. Now that mouthful means he was quick to the plunder and swift to the spoil. So what kind of name is that for a young'un? But the young fellow's name was a living embodiment of the destruction that was to come upon Damascus and Samaria. Imagine today if that child belonged to one of us. How long would it be, how old would that child be before he or she learned to spell that kind of a name? How old would the child be before the parents learned how to spell that particular name? M-A-H-E-R-S-H-A-L-A-L-H-S-H-B-A-Z. I think I would just call the young and Boz and, or Baz and be done with it. But the point is names used to convey meanings. God's name provided much information about God's character. To know God's name was to experience something realistic and authentic and intimate about the eternal one. To pronounce God's name was in some sense to unleash some kind of divine energy. To many ancient folks, God was considered in ways similar that we might consider an electric power plant. The third commandment was like a warning sign 
posted by the front gate, danger, high voltage. Stay back. Be careful. The name of God was literally a live wire. The third commandment, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, extends the argument expressed in the second commandment, you shall not make for yourself an idol. Just as idolatry leads to the notion that the power of the deity can be contained and wrapped up and controlled, the same thing here. If we use the divine name, if we know the name, does that give us some kind of control or make us think that we have some kind of control over who God is? We mentioned a moment ago the ancient Near Eastern peoples considered the names of persons and things to be important. The name told us something about who this person was, what they were expected to become, what their character was like. That was all wrapped up in their names. Once one knew the name of a person or a thing, particularly a person, one could enter into a relationship with that person. You knew something about them. And if you knew their name, sometimes you had control over this object or, or this person. In the case of Yahweh, God, however, this was not true. The name of Israel's God, Yahweh, is never fully explained in the Old Testament. Yahweh discloses Yahweh's nature in historical deeds. What does this God do? You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. This prohibition is basically concerned with divine reputation. It's to keep the divine name from being used in ways that are inappropriate and, and hurtful and manipulative. Any way that would bring God's reputation into disrepute in this world. It assumes a close relationship between name and renown. Psalm 135, 13, the psalmist writes, Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, Throughout all the ages, name and reputation tied so closely together. And then Psalm 30 and verse 4, sing praises to the Lord, O you his faithful one, and give thanks to his holy name. The name is important. And then in Psalm 97, 17, rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. God's name is important more important than any human being's name, of course, the name of God. A name is a precious thing, the way in which people talk about others, the way we talk about each other sometimes. And sometimes it descends into gossip or other hurtful talk that might impact someone's standing in the church or in the community. In many ways, the ninth commandment does for people what the third commandment does for God. The ninth has to do with bearing false witness against our neighbors and will talk about that in a few weeks. But a central concern of God in the book of Exodus, up to the point where we run into the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20, has been that my name, God's name, may be declared throughout all the earth. And a central issue is how is that name to be proclaimed to the world and the impact of hearing that name? What will that impact be on people? Will they be drawn toward that name? Or will they become indifferent toward it? If that name has been besmirched in some way by the manner in which it's been used by the people of God, or by the practices with which it's been associated, then a divine intentions 
began to fall short of their realizations. Or if the very declaring of the name itself is used in misleading or in false ways, God will not treat this hindrance to God's intentions lightly. Everett Fox, in his commentary on Genesis and Exodus, translates the third commandment like this. He said, you are not to take up the name of Yahweh your God to a delusion. For Yahweh will not clear him that takes up his name to a delusion. Fox says that to take up to a delusion means to use for a false purpose. So let's spend the remainder of our time this morning thinking about ways in which God's name can be used for a false purpose. Or how do we misuse God's name? I think the first thing that comes to most people's mind when you talk about the name of God and misusing the name of God is what we would call profanity, one of the most obvious ways that God's name can be taken up to a delusion, so to speak, and for a false purpose. Taken in vain is what the old King James version of the Bible says, and that's what a lot of us grew up with and learned. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The word profane comes from two Latin words. Pro means in front of, and fane meaning temple in front of the temple. So one definition of profanity would be language that we should not use in church. And that's a pretty good standard, don't you think, by which we judge the language we use. It seems to me that this is a good time to retell this story. You've heard it. I can't remember when I first heard it, but when I start talking about this subject, I just somehow can't help myself kind of tell this story. It's a story about the foul-mouthed deacon. His wife came to see the pastor one day and said, Reverend, you got to have a conversation with one of your deacons, my husband, about his habit of just cussing up a blue streak anytime things don't go his way. He is just terrible. He's getting worse and worse, and I don't know how much longer I can put up with it. And the pastor said, okay, okay, just calm down and I promise you I will talk to him immediately after worship this coming Sunday. So after a few minutes of talking about the weather and talking about the sports teams in that area and uh, talking about going fishing, finally the pastor said, brother, deacon, it has been brought to my attention by a very reliable source that you have a problem controlling your tongue. Is it true that your tongue goes on a vile rampage every time you misplace your temper? Do you deny this allegation? And the deacon said, no, sir, pastor. I do not deny the allegation, nor do I deny the allegator. I sit guilty as accused. So the pastor really bore down on him, just really let the deacon have it, both barrels about his responsibility in the church and his position in the community and his position within his family and all the reasons he shouldn't be doing what he was doing. A flagrant violation, the pastor said, of the third commandment. The deacon hung his head in shame and promised over and over again he'd clean up his act and from now on, his day-to-day -day language would be as if he were addressing a children's Sunday school assembly at the church. They had prayer, and as the deacon was preparing to leave, the preacher said, well, 
How about this Friday morning we go fishing together? Deacon said, I'd love it. It was a beautiful day. It was warm, but not too hot. And there was a gentle breeze blowing. And the little boat was just floating effortlessly on the calm waters. And suddenly the pastor yelled out, I've hooked a big one. And after several minutes of trying to reel it in and, and wrestling with this big fish, he had it nearly in the boat. And then without warning, the fish gave a violent jerk and it came loose from the hook. And it splashed loudly back into the lake. And the pastor, with disgust written all over his face, turned to the deacon and said, Brother, something needs to be said. <laughs> something needs to be said. Careful what that is. One scholar said, Cursing, using God's name in gutter language, is surely condemned by the third commandment. And Jewish scholars felt such awe before the name that they would wipe their pens before they would write the abbreviated letters of Yahweh, of God's name. I saw written on the wall once the saying, God's last name is not damn. But I also remember being at my 10-year high school reunion. It was in 1981. No, I tell you how old I am. Most folks know anyway, and that's not a problem. But one of my former classmates, and I was a pastor at that time, came up to me, and we were talking a little bit, and he said, what are you doing these days? And when I told him, he just looked at me and said, well, I'll be damned. And I looked back at him and said, if you're not careful. <laughs> it's been said that a, a foul mouth betrays an empty head or maybe a corrupt heart. Profanity is one way to use God's name for a false purpose, but there are other ways. There are other ways we need to be aware of. And another of those ways to use God's name for a false purpose is to try to use that name to control God for our own purposes. I mentioned there's a strong relationship between the second commandment and the third, between making idols and trying to control our gods that way, and the third commandment, the one we're looking at today, prohibiting the misuse or the manipulation of the name of God. They both have to do with this issue of trying to control or manipulate God for our own purposes. It's so easy to forget who's the creator and who's the creature. In the ancient world, most folks did that. They would use the name of their tribal gods, their little g-gods, to control everything, to coerce, to coerce blessings, to condemn their enemies. If they would use the name of God, they thought things would happen. But the Hebrews found in this third commandment a crushing indictment of trying to use God for personal gain. No more could religious faith be used to, to gain wealth. No more could God be expected to help you get your own way. The whole of the Jewish and the Christian traditions are wrapped up in here and impacted by this third commandment. One scholar translated it like this, you shall do no mischief in God's name. In the book of Acts, there's a story of Simon the sorcerer, Simon the magician. 
He had been astonishing folks with his magic for some time. They even called him. They called this magician the great power of God. That was his name. That was his title. And then Philip came to town preaching the good news of Jesus the Christ. And later Peter and John started laying hands on believers who were immediately filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Simon the magician saw all of this and he thought to himself, wow, what a neat trick that would be to add to my magic show if I could just do that. He was willing to pay a very steep price to pull this particular rabbit out of the hat, so to speak. Think about it. Simon the sorcerer. Think about his name on the marquee, maybe at the Fox Theater. Simon the magician, dispenser of the spirit of Almighty God. And with a gimmick like that, he could begin to rake in the money. He'd have it made in the shade for sure. Peter is reported to have told Simon the magician, this is literally what the passage in Acts 8.20 means, to hell with you and your magic and your money. God is not for sale. Peter told the magician, you shall work no mischief in God's name. One other way to use God's name for a false purpose is to associate the name with empty praise and easy religion. Beware of the television evangelist and the internet evangelist and others who fill the airways with references to God's name and tell us if we'll just put our hand on the monitor or hand on the screen and send in our seed money, God will bless us financially 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times over. Empty phrases, easy religion. We use God's name wrongfully in vain by not taking God, seriously. But that admission alone is not sufficient, is there? To say that, yes, we know there's a God. Most folks in this country, most folks still believe that there's a God. But to talk about God without changing the way we live is nothing more than an empty phrase and easy religion. And someone said it's a form of profanity, a form of gutter language, just like the other things we've talked about. Elton Trueblood said an empty, meaningless faith may be worse than no faith at all. The way we carelessly use God's name, the word vain can mean without substance. It's like a vapor, something that's just there and, and then it disappears to have a shallow and a trivial and an insincere purpose in serving the Holy One, reference to the Lord God of the universe. To make wrongful use of the name is something we've got to be careful about and it's become so common. And a lot of folks do it. To use the expression, oh my God, <laughs> OMG, we use it sort of loosely sometimes. I still recall my own dad's response when he heard somebody say, oh my God, he would always say, you better be calling on somebody you know. To end on a positive note though, let's do that. God's name is to be used in prayer and praise and witness. The sharing of our faith with others. Many of the psalmists do just that. 
Read through the song. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify God's name with thanksgiving. I will tell of God's name to my sisters and brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise my God. God's name empowers God's mission. For this purpose, I will extol you, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to your name. There is power for the right reasons to carry out God's purposes and God's plan when we rightfully use God's name. The children of Israel took on God's name to carry out God's mission, to fulfill God's purpose, to be a blessing to this world. And as Christian folk, we take on the name of Jesus so that we might fulfill his mission and carry out his purpose. May we never take on that name for false purposes and for wrongful use. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.